Hello, bro. It's tracksuit mafia guy here again. Uh, today we're back talking about Hawkeye. Of course, we talk a little bit. Uh, Willem Defoe, big leading man. Uh, Shang-Chi, sequel, more of the Kung Fu. Uh, Sonic and Knuckles, baby. And uh, historical fumbling of bag. Uh, by Leticia Wright. So let's get into it. It's the Infinity Watch my goodness welcome to the infinity watch podcast my name is tommy and still here with my slavic-esque bro of a, of a co-host eric oh yeah i guess there there must be a leak in our organization because i think the rent a bro moving company got some of my news uh just you know stolen yeah. and given to them prior to the episode might have been might have been I, I think it's that's that's a top five accent for me from this season <laughs> of the show. We're in season two, episode forty. It's been a busy fucking year, man. Yeah, yeah, it has. My God, it ain't two thousand thirteen anymore, where we watch one movie and then wait seven months and get one more. <laughs> yeah, what a wild time. That's great. I love it. And I think we're about to hit kind of the fever pitch of the year because we oh, just yeah. wrapped up. And we will be talking about today, Hawkeye, episode four. We've got five and six to round out the year. And the most hyped up MCU movie of the year as well, Spider-Man No Way Home, which is nuts. I'm so excited. We're, we are in the week it comes out. We got four days to go. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that is pretty wild. Like, it does not feel like... There's a Spider-Man movie coming out in a couple of days for whatever reason. I feel the same way. I feel the same <laughs> way. I want to do a quick check in. How how's the hype going over there? Uh It's like weird. I'm definitely hyped, but it's not I mean, I think there's no universe in which this movie isn't at least really good. So I'm like, so scared, dude. I got like fear up the wazoo. I just don't think it's possible. I don't think they, I honestly, I honestly do not think they would release it if it wasn't at least really good. They would reshoot the whole movie if they had to solo style until they got, until they got a good movie. I just don't think they would, uh, they would allow it. You know what this moment reminds me of the most, which is why I'm scared is when Spider-Man three came out. And I remember I went, my my friend Ben, his sister had just gotten her driver's license. So we just went <laughs> to the movie theaters on our own. And before we stopped at a Walmart to buy Spider-Man t-shirts oh, to wear to the man. theater. And we were like, ah, oh, Spider-Man 2 was like the greatest movie ever, which it was. And uh, we're like, this one's going to be amazing. Venom's in it. Oh, man. Yikes, Amundo. <laughs> So how how old were you? For, so you must have been like 15, 14, 15? Spider-Man 3. Hold on one second. Toby. That well, came out in 2007. Okay. So I think I was not yet 16. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was 15 when that came Even out. Even as a 15-year-old, you didn't enjoy Spider-Man 3? You know, it's one of those things where I definitely did the first time. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. I feel like the, same. the whole the whole dancing scene and all that. Like, I was like, this is wild. I remember, I, I do remember being like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? Yeah. But I still thought it was cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's like, uh, you go through the phase of like, you're like, that was amazing. But then it's, it's kind of like the, you know, when you see a movie that you've been really excited for, it's hard to really hate it. Like almost immediately. Sometimes it takes a couple days or weeks to sink in. Yeah. See, I think, I think that's the world beating you down. I think it's okay to like Spider-Man three. If you want to like, Spider-Man yeah, 3. I don't, I don't mind that one <laughs> as much as some other ones. I know. Like, um, when I saw the James Bond film Spectre, at first I was like, okay, that was, like, pretty good. And then, like, I hate that movie. I don't watch it. Um, <laughs> but it's a little bit different with those movies because you wait, like, five fucking years to see them. Yeah, true. Um, true. So it's, it's, like, really hard when you're going in for the first time. But, yeah, Spider-Man 3, <laughs> I actually mostly only watch the cringe scenes from that movie now. Yeah, because they're all memes. Yeah, it's amazing. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But uh, yeah, no, I just remember that same type of hype back then where it's just, oh, we're so excited. So, <laughs> oh, man. I love it. I think at that movie, they actually handed out, you know, like those like uh, at the at a sports game, they have like the foam fingers. Mm-hmm. They handed out foam Spider-Man hands. Oh, oh, my God. I have the vaguest memory of that. I think I had it at my last house, but it might have gotten lost in the shuffle of the move. Holy um, shit. Yeah, that was pretty fucking sweet. I should have kept that shit. Spider-Man foam hands. Amazing. Yeah, because I think uh, X-Men 2, they, they gave out like a, a Wolverine foam hand, too, with like the claws out. <laughs> what a weird problem. Sorry, I'm just like, all these memories are just cascading through my brain <laughs> That's right now. That's so wild. All right, let's jump into news. Got plenty to talk about. A lot of Spider-Man related shit. Once again, shocker. Yeah. Uh, no pun intended. Um, let's jump into it. So, been reading some articles. There's been a lot of TV spots. There's been a lot of little mini trailers that have come out for Spider-Man: No Way Home. I've watched a couple. Try not to watch them all because at this point, I got four days until the movie comes out. So I should probably just watch the fucking movie. But despite Doctor Octopus being the focal point of a lot of the trailers, uh. It's kind of seeming like maybe Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin will be the main villain, possibly. Um, and there was a TV spot that came out where he's like, no good deed goes unpunished, Peter Parker. Um, yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell with the trailers right now who's going to be doing what exactly. Yeah, I think I'm a big proponent of a, th- a very early theory that... Dr. Octopus is only a villain for, like, two minutes in this movie, and then he becomes a good guy, basically. Um, I think that's probably going to be the case. Uh, I just don't see that version of Doc Ock, who we already saw is very redeemable. Um, Like, they're not just going to make him full villain again. Well, I guess we don't know if it's the same version. He does redeem himself at the end of that movie. Yeah, that's what... But it it seems... Well, so I don't know if you saw the... They released a one-minute clip of the bridge fight scene. I did not watch that one. 
it's amazing. First of all, it's like a perfect Spider-Man action. But uh, but he but Doc Ock makes a reference to I forget exactly how he phrased it, but he makes a reference to that big like machine thing in a uh-huh. way that implies he like he this is a version of him before his redemption. Oh, okay. So yeah, I mean, in the theme of Spider-Man Two, it's it's the what do you call it? I mean, like the octopus arms are controlling him. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's basically like a chip that like stops the arms from controlling him. The chip gets broken and then the arms like have like this red light on them that shows that they're controlling him. Yeah. And I see we've seen in the trailers the uh, I think what's going to happen is when the Stark tech kind of like jumps on to the to his octopus arms. I think probably the Stark tech is going to fix whatever is broken that's like controlling him and then i think from that point on he's gonna be like oh my bad i'll help you out there's a lot of consternation online about how much stark is still involved with spider-man does that bother you at all no not at all there's a lot of people that are like spidey isn't his own thing because stark is giving him all this stuff i don't know people find everything to complain about if it wasn't like if it wasn't Stark Tech, it would it would be some other kind of ridiculous way for him to get out of an impossible situation. That's like that's just how it works. <laughs> like, right? It's got to come from somewhere. Yeah. Right? But yeah. All right. I guess we'll wait and see. I'm I'm excited. I love I love all of the villains here. I'm not super hype on the Electro by Jamie Fox just because I never hmm. had a super strong connection to that character or that movie. Um, but Willem Dafoe and obviously Doc Ock, I I think they're all really good villains and really good actors. I mean, Jimmy Fox is a great actor too, hundred percent. Um, so should be good. We'll see. Yeah. I wonder, like, are they just gonna give Lizard like two minutes max because like he looks like a Goomba? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. I really wonder like how much time each of the villains we know is going to get. And I wonder how many, if any villains we haven't seen before that we are going to see. It's going to be interesting, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to go see this movie. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Next thing that come, uh, comes up on my docket here. And I, that is pun intended is there's a rumor that Charlie Cox, who's been confirmed to be playing Daredevil in the MCU, yeah. will don his classic yellow costume in an appearance for She-Hulk. I mean, that would be fucking amazing. I love that costume. No one has really ever seen this costume in a live-action uh, series movie before. Um, when Daredevil you know, started in his first comic, he had a much sillier uh, first costume i guess you could call it um where it's kind of he has like um it almost looks like he's wearing like a, a tank top onesie that's red and it has a big d on it <laughs> but then like the rest of his body is yellow it's really ugly it's a really ugly suit um but you know i i've heard that she hulk will actually be like quite funny and will constantly break the fourth wall so it, that makes I'm sense. Wonder, that makes I'm sense. I'm wondering if like that'll just be like a joke so that they can like show off the origin costume like they've done in, in several series so far. 
Man, I don't know because I feel like with like the most minor tweaks, it could actually it could like not be a joke and it could actually be a really cool costume. I mean, I I would have a hundred percent faith in Kevin Feige to somehow pull that off. Yeah, I think it could look kind of like a boxing, like workout gear kind of suit. Yeah, thing. I don't sure, know. something like that. Yeah, I've definitely seen interpretations of it where it it looks sick. Because I I know that I am a I am a fan of that costume in general. Yeah, I'm so excited that we're just going full steam ahead on the the Daredevil train. So he's my favorite character in the Marvel Comics universe. So I'm super excited we're getting him back, and it's happening quicker than Fantastic Four and X Men. So yeah, that's that's really why I guess maybe they just want some time between the the last one and this one maybe for X Men. I can understand but, X-Men's a lot more complicated. I feel like Fantastic yeah. Four. Yeah, they, you know what? Fantastic Four is moving faster than X-Men, too, because we have a director. We have a logo. Yeah, true. So true. Yeah, I guess it kind of makes sense. Daredevil's easier to integrate. You know, he has villains that are shared with Hawkeye. He has villains that are shared with Spider-Man. He, you know, has a lot. It's just, it's easy. He already has an actor associated with him that everybody loves. So, right. <laughs> yeah. So it works out. Yeah. Not too bad. Um, all right. Next up, while we were gone, Shang-Chi got approved to have a sequel and there's going to be a Disney plus series related to Shang-Chi as well, uh, which was hinted in the after credit scene. Um, so there was an interview with Collider. They sat down with Shang-Chi director, Destin Daniel Cretton, and they asked him, um, what his ideas were uh, for the series. Um, well, hold on. I can't fucking read this thing. <laughs> One second here. Cretton is, uh, okay, about his Disney Plus plans. He reveals the idea for the series came to him while filming Shang-Chi. He said Feige and the team were definitely there and had a clear idea where they were taking the MCU, but they're also open to pitches and things that uh, each of the creators are passionate about. One of the shows that we're creating was initially an idea that I was bouncing around with our producer while we were shooting Shang-Chi, and it just happened to fit with the trajectory of where they were going with the franchise. So there's a little back and forth there. So it wasn't originally planned, but uh, it seems like Kevin Feige thought it was a good idea, and obviously they're continuing to work on the sequel for Shang-Chi as well. Love it. I can't wait. Yeah. Good I, shit. Man. I really I hope they bring in another. I hope the sequel is like... Shang-Chi and who some other random character from the universe. Like, I want to see that character interact with uh, Iron Fist. Oh, yeah, that'd be crazy. But not but got to recast him, though. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely have to. Yeah. Fuck that one guy. Yeah. Though I feel really bad because I was reading that by the time they casted him, he only had like two weeks prior to shooting and they didn't get any time for training. And they were just like doing scenes like on the spot. So yeah, I don't think yeah, it was I mean, his fault. No, I don't you know? think it's his fault, but you still got to recast him. <laughs> I feel yeah. like even He's, if it's uh, not your fault, that's a bad enough performance to where like you don't get a second chance. Sorry. Yep. Yeah. It's just kind of sullied his name. Yeah. Dude, I watched uh, this is totally random, but it reminded me of actors that ruin things. Um, I watched Jingle All the Way with Mia the other day and I totally didn't realize that it's the same little kid that plays Anakin in the Phantom Menace is in that movie. Really? 
Yeah. No and I was like, way. wow, fuck this kid. Um, I think it's made by LucasArts or something. Jingle All the Way. Which is obviously a Christmas movie featuring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, classic movie that apparently uh, is not, people say is a bad movie, but I only have positive memories associated with it. Oh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's like super fucking silly, but it's really, really good. Um, But yeah, I thought I saw LucasArts logo at the end somewhere because there's an after credits scene in that movie, which is really silly. Um, (laughs) What? Yeah. Yeah, it's really funny because the whole movie is about Arnold Schwarzenegger is trying to find this this toy for his son. It's called Turbo Man. And apparently there's an after credit scene for this movie, which I found out after the fact and watched it. And so he finally gets the toy for his son. And the end credits is his mom's like, wow, like seeing you do this for our son shows how much you really care for him. And it makes me think if you did work that hard for him. I can't wait to see what you got me. And then it just like zooms in on Arnold Schwarzenegger's <laughs> uh, yeah, face because okay, uh, he didn't yeah, get his yeah, wife yeah. jack shit. I do remember that. <laughs> so good stuff. Good holiday movie. Yes, for it. sure. Big fan of Jingle All the Way. Mia could not handle the cringe in it though. She's like, this is stressing me out. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I kind of get it because everyone's so fucking stupid in that movie. Yeah, true. Good time. But all right, back to Sinbad. News. Sinbad, yeah, Sinbad's all over that movie. <laughs> Love it. Oh, my gosh. All right. Um, Kevin Feige had some words to say to THR when it came to Marvel Studios getting acknowledged uh, by the Oscars. And he pretty much is calling out the Academy for Motion Pictures, who he refers to as genre bias. This is the quote from our Lord and Savior, Kevin Feige. He said, I think we are always at a deficit because of the Marvel logo and because of a genre bias that certainly exists. I just loved that for a shining moment there uh, with Black Panther that was put aside and the work was recognized for the achievement that it was. There are a lot of comic fans that didn't know who Shang-Chi was, and yet the work that Dustin did and Dave did and Sue did created something new that connected with audience audiences. We recognized it. The audiences recognized it. And I sure would love the, all the hard work of all those people who are telling their story to get recognized. Um, so basically, you know, it's just seemingly impossible for a Marvel movie to get any recognition. I think there's a, there's a few of them that could definitely deserve it. Uh, you know, yeah. Oscars and stuff like that. Um, it's interesting how they pick and choose you know, what type of movies get Oscars. But, you know, at the same time, a movie like Lord of the Rings holds the record for the most Oscars ever won by a film, you know? And so it's kind of weird because these movies share a lot of similarities with that. Not saying they're like on the same level uh, always, but, um, you know, it's like an action adventure movie series, you know? Um, Yeah, I would argue the reason that one got a pass is because it's based on what a lot of people consider to be classic literature, whereas I don't think even the biggest comic book fans would consider old comic books to be classic literature or anything like that. In fact, most old comic books were pretty objectively bad, I would argue. I was reading (laughs) Pride and Prejudice the other day, right next to Irredeemable Ant-Man. Yeah, right. Um... But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I mean, he's definitely right. There's definitely genre bias against uh, superhero movies and action movies in general, really. 
movies that are positive in any way. Yeah, but also uh, all awards are bullshit. Sure are. So like, so like it's not that. But I, I mean, I see what he's saying. He's like, you want the people involved to like be acknowledged. But I think the acknowledgement for these movies, and I'm sure that like this has been said a million times but like the acknowledgement is like the massive paychecks that everybody gets like that's the that's the acknowledgement i guarantee shape of water or whatever the fuck isn't pulling in dude i don't understand how that movie won best picture i don't get it (laughs) it's really fucking i don't understand the oscars i mean i used to you know every year i do watch the oscars um, I don't think I did last year, but uh, for several years, I would like try to guess who would win and try to see how many I would get right. Um, but like over the, like the last 10 years, the Oscars have gone so far up their own ass that I, I am not as interested anymore <laughs> because all the movies like you'd have to hate yourself to watch all the movies. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's exceptions to that rule. Um, I'm glad they like extended it so that 10 pictures get the best picture nomination because it was like five before it was never enough. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's so fucking political in in the sense that like how how things get nominated and stuff like that. That is just like, OK, this is stupid. No, in the sense that these damn dirty leftists are taking over. How? Never mind. <laughs> Please continue with that. I was, I was I was buckling in getting ready for that one. All right, um, let's move on. There is a leaked supposed poster for Thor Love and Thunder. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a promo poster that kind of leaked online, not super great quality, but it shows a lot of interesting things. We see Thor in a new outfit. Chris Hemsworth looks like a Barbie doll uh, in, in a good way. We see Valkyrie flying Pegasus. We see... Uh, Jane Foster looking very similar to her female Thor companion with the helmet on, which is amazing. Uh, we see Korg waving. Uh, you know, we see Jane Foster lifting up Mjolnir, and it looks like uh, Thor has Stormbreaker. It's like lots of crazy stuff going on here. Um, I'm really excited about this movie. I love Thor Ragnarok quite a bit. It's probably my most rewatchable Marvel movie just because it's so much fun. So I really hope that we can kind of have lightning strike twice here. Pun intended. Yeah. Yeah. I am excited for this movie as well. I don't know if I believe this poster's real. Yeah. I call bullshit. Yeah. Sure. Um, but, uh, but I could see the things like depicted on it all being real though. Yeah, the one thing that made me think it was better than a lot of fan posters is, is Thor's new costume. Seemed like it made sense. Yeah, true. Um, but I'm usually pretty quick to call out bullshit on um, fan posters, and this one's pretty good if it's a fan poster. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. It is. His, his new costume kind of looks like an, an Eternals costume. A little yeah, bit. Yeah, it does have like a it, it reminds me of a mix between an Eternals costume and the costume he wore in the first Avengers film. If you yeah, 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 one. yeah. Um 
and, and yeah, it kind of checks out. If this is a fan poster, whoever did it, major kudos. Because yeah, yeah, I'm always good. people will be like, "Did you see this new poster?" And I'm like, "That's not a poster; it's fake." This one made me pause for a second. So people are getting good at it if it's fake. Yeah. So we'll see. It's uh, this is one of those movies that it comes out. Shit, it comes out in like eight months. Wow. Um, and I kind of forgot about it. Because there's just so much going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good thing, I guess. Yeah. Plenty of things to keep the interest. That's for sure. Speaking of things keeping interest, you want to talk about being a fucking moron? <laughs> we talking about the uh, the old bag fumbler? <sighs> sure are, my friend. Sure are. <laughs> there is a lot of talk that has been going around about Black Panther star Letitia Wright. Yeah. And... There's a lot of drama there because she's always had controversial opinions on Twitter, which we've seen in other series and movies lead to actors' demises. Yeah. Okay. But in particularly other Disney series and movies. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so let me just let me just outline this. We're gonna take a step back for a second. You are in a movie playing the sibling of the main character in a billion-dollar Marvel-Disney franchise. Yeah. The movie is a success, really big success. Star of that film dies, and rumors and reports are that you are to play the title character of a billion-dollar Marvel-Disney franchise. And you are going to possibly quit said franchise because you don't want to get a COVID vaccine? Bro, you can go to fucking Rite Aid and spend 10 minutes and get a little little snip, snip, little jab, jab, and you're fine. Oh, my God. How can you be so fucking stupid? Yeah, I... Uh... So... Sorry, continue you know, if you have anything else. I was just going to say, basically, there are reports that Letitia Wright... There's a lot of issues going on on set, and it may possibly lead to her quitting the MCU because she doesn't want to get a COVID vaccine. Yeah, I saw the thing that I saw was they actually rewrote the end of this movie so the franchise wouldn't rest on her shoulders. Which is dude. like, dude, how do you fuck that up so bad? So, I love, so bad. There's like this thing where. You know, I've noticed this. I don't want to get too deep in this because I'll get really passionate and and possibly upset. But it's just like people think they're so fucking smart that they become so stupid. Yeah. Uh, where it's just like I've I've gained a certain amount of success. Therefore, I know something that everyone doesn't. Um, you just you got to be so stupid to self-sabotage yourself this much, I guess, is all I'm trying to say. It's like, man. Yeah. So dumb. It's not it's uh, it sucks so much too because I love her as Shuri. She's Me too. Yeah, so I think she's good. fucking great. She's yeah. so good. It sucks so much. And also it's super ironic that she's playing like the super smart scientist character. <laughs> yeah. I remember when when uh when Black Panther came out I was like, "Man, she's fucking funny. She's fucking smart." What a great fucking character. In the comics, she becomes Black Panther. Yeah. You know, everything was lining up great. Yeah. But man, talk about just like 
buying a gun and shooting yourself right in the fucking foot. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, uh, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate Listen, you that, I, like, not to, it's definitely her fault, but it's also not her fault just because the fact that it's like, just the amount of conflicting information there is in the world about every topic that exists and yeah. that information exponentially increases depending on how popular the topic is. So, like, for COVID, it's like, it's the propaganda like, so, is going some, strong, some people don't, just don't have a chance. Some people like depending on like right. where I you get your agree initial your initial news sources and like oh, your your friend group and what like the first like twenty things that you hear if if the first twenty things that you hear are all negative even if none of them are true it's like brains are wired a certain way and right. it's like I really just feel like some people don't have a chance but it is really really fucking unfortunate yeah yeah it's you know i i always i blame i blame the people that put out propaganda rather than the people that's that are victims to yeah. it for sure but i think um, i do think and maybe we're getting too far into this but i do think probably. even the people who put out the propaganda i think probably a lot of them believe it not all of them yeah yeah but it's yeah. like a, it's, it's a mixed bag yeah. for sure I guess I think like the the ironic thing is here is as of today there have been almost eight billion doses of this this vaccine that she doesn't want to do yeah. taken in the world. There's not been you know a large amount of anything that's happened. Yeah. So it's like well you haven't heard to, about the to, zombie to... outbreak though. Oh shit! <laughs> I, I, need, I need to turn off my CNN. Apparently, they're not giving me the real news. Um, it's just like to hinge your entire career off something. So inconsequential rather than something that maybe has like more weight behind it or something is the part that I find funny where it's just like, man, this is such a stupid thing to like, this is what I'm going to you know, yeah. die on right here. Yeah. Lying in the sand. And like, she will probably be fine. Uh, like, obviously, but like she could have been. She's not Gina Carano. Yeah. She's a little bit better than Gina. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's for fucking sure. But, yeah. uh. But but yeah, it's just uh I mean she could have had the next 10, 15 years of her future fucking set up and just been otherworldly rich. It's like, why? Why are you doing this, man? Yeah, it's the government's so, I feel not like people... fucking tracking you. And if they are, they're using your phone, you dumb yeah. fuck. Come on. We are all carrying around the trackers. So dumb. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because man, what an opportunity. Just completely wasted yeah. if that's what ends up happening. But I hope not. And we will move on. Um, I hope you enjoyed this controversy. And for everyone that turned off this podcast because that was so offensive, grow up. <laughs> All right. Next up, Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige, our Lord and Savior. This, oh boy. Um, this was an interview with Collider. And I feel like. Someone had a gun to Feige's head here, and that gun was a contract with Sony Pictures. Um, they were asking him about the decision to bring Venom into the MCU. And he said, quote, you look at the obvious comic connotations between Venom and Spider-Man, and it is inherent. So the minute Sony made their Venom movie, and it worked as well as it did, 
Tom that Hardy means. became as iconic as he became as Venom. Relax, and the obvious question Kevin. is then, how do we start to merge them? <laughs> More, let, me, let me reword this in what he wanted. Blatant lies. You look at the obvious comic connotations between Venom and Spider-Man, and it's inherent. So the minute Sony made us sign a contract that required us to put Venom in the MCU, <laughs> then I was forced to do it. That was the real quote. Yeah. Tom Hardy. Yeah. Everyone knows Tom Hardy as the star of Venom. <laughs> and that movie oh worked out God. as well as it did. It worked out well in the box office. I'll give him that. Somehow, uh, man. Somehow. Well, let's see. The Rotten Tomatoes score as of today is 30%. Yeah. So. Sounds accurate. I, I kind of forgot that he's in the MCU now because I never saw Venom 2. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Uh... I wonder if he will show up in this Spider-Man movie in some way. If you had to bet everything you own on it, what would you bet? I mean, yeah, probably, yeah. Because they wouldn't wouldn't set up a teaser in Venom 2 to be paid off multiple years down the road. Yeah, especially a teaser that features Spider-Man, right? Yeah, yeah. I have my, uh, my money on him showing up as well. Yeah. Specifically on on several betting websites. Oh, there we go. Yeah, just kidding. Man, I'm so tired. I don't know. You know, maybe a lot of people listening might not have this, but um, our state allowed um, online betting, you know, in the last year or so. Oh, my gosh. All I get is fucking DraftKings advertisements every goddamn <laughs> second of my life. DraftKings Sportsbook. Oh, my God. I'm so glad I'm not like a gambling addict because man, I would have just yeah, you could, lost you my entire life savings it. by now. It's everywhere, dude. <laughs> everywhere. Um, though I did join one of them just for like a week because before they got a little bit smarter, they they would just give you a hundred dollars worth of free blackjack credits, and then you could just keep the money, whatever money you made. So I made like three hundred dollars, and I just withdraw it all and quit yeah there are i feel that's how they get some people is because almost every single one of them has something where they literally just give you free money for no reason yeah it'll be like a basketball game they're like if anyone scores a basket you win yeah (laughs) Yeah. but then people get their accounts hooked up to it it just becomes too easy exactly you know it works yeah it works yeah don't let the house win um true all right i I got a little bit annoyed by this next article here. So this is about Warner Brothers' new movie, The Batman, which I am looking forward to. Um, and I guess they're testing out two cuts of the movie, one with a certain actor and one without. And a lot of people are saying they're talking about the Joker. It says, multiple sources tell us that Warner Brothers has been testing two different cuts of The Batman, one with a certain actor, one without. And the final test screening occurred last week with the decision now made to which version the studio likes. I don't understand why they do this shit. Yeah. Just like make the movie you want to make. Yeah. Fuck the audience. Yeah, I I agree. So there's rumors that Eternal star Barry Kogan has joined the cast as the Joker. And so I guess they're trying to figure out whether they want the Joker in this movie or not. Um. Yeah, I, f- I feel know. like 
I don't know. I mean, do what you want to do, but like, fucking throw him in there. It's the it's Batman and the Joker. It's, at least yeah. like tease him. You know. Yeah, that's like, that's his fucking arch nemesis. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just I get like why they do test screenings test screenings for certain things, but when they do stuff like this, I feel like it's like becoming too much of a committee type activity here. At the end of the day, this still well, is art. And just, like, make a decision. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree. I, I don't think audiences should choose endings to anything ever. Yeah. I don't I don't want some guy named, like, Clinton from Arkansas to be, like, really choosing whether the Joker's in the next Batman movie or not. Yeah. Apologies to all of our fans in Arkansas. <laughs> Nate, what'd you say? What's his name? Clinton? Clinton. All right. My name's Clinton. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, everybody, if you can hear my dog crying because another dog had the audacity to walk down the road. How dare they? Yeah. How dare they? <laughs> what was I going to say? Hold on. What was I going to say? Something about my new character, Clinton. <laughs> I don't really understand they made that Joker movie. That's not the Joker from that Joker movie. And it wasn't the Joker from the previous Joker movie. So I don't quite understand what's going on. Here. True. All right. Eric, Yo. this is the most hyped I, I'm sure you were this week. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 trailer dropped. Oh, yeah. I forgot that there was a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Okay. But apparently the new movie's coming out in April 2022 and features Knuckles. Yeah. The little red hedgehog guy yeah. that has big fists. Well, he's an echidna, technically. Let's get it right. Oh, well, well just, <laughs> clearly I know nothing about Sonic the Hedgehog. Um. Jim Carrey, man, he's got the wildest mustache oh, I love you could it. ever imagine. I love it's it. It's perfect. It's perfect. Yes. But uh, yeah, what did, what did you think of the trailer? Uh, yeah, I liked it. I was a fan of the first movie. It's obviously not like the the greatest movie anybody's ever seen or anything, but like it's very solid. It's my Shawshank Redemption, Eric. <laughs> yeah, great. It's uh no, it's a super solid uh super solid movie. I'm sure this one will be the same. Uh the characters look great off the bat this time around. They did a great job with Tails and Knuckles. Um I am uh and obviously like Jim Carrey is like probably the best part of those movies. Just being classic Jim Carrey, which I feel like he does not uh do very often anymore but i love classic jim carrey um his mustache is so good yeah <laughs> yeah it's completely ridiculous in the best way possible <laughs> yeah I'm a, I'm a big fan i i'll i'll definitely watch it no question and i think what idris elba's voice yeah <laughs> yeah Amazing. the best so yeah we'll see we'll see that comes out i never saw the first one so it's good. Find it on a, a like a uh, a streaming service. I for sure it'll be on one. I'm not sure yeah, which one, to, but I have to watch so much. My brother was in town. He was telling me how uh, we need to watch Ted Lasso. Yep. He's about the seventeen thousand person to tell me to watch Ted Lasso. Yep. Um, and so it, you know, I had to get a, a, Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus for that shit, and I was like, oh, <laughs> man, there's too many streaming services, and I hate it. Yeah, and I'll always complain about it. Yeah. But let's move on because we still have like three more articles to go here. Um, there is a new logo that was shared by Brie Larson for the upcoming sequel to Captain Marvel called The Marvels. And it seems to be a logo that combines uh, the logos for Carol Danvers, 
um, for Miss Marvel, as well as Monica Rambo's logo that we saw in WandaVision all into one. And so she has like a little necklace that has all the logos together on it, which was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like a star, like the little kind of flamish kind of sword emblem that Monica Rambo had. And then the Miss Marvel S that you'll see on her suit when that series comes out as well. So yeah, it'll be an interesting movie. I'm not, you know, it's really hard to tell what, what's going to really go on there. Yeah. That's uh logo looks clean as fuck. I like it. Yeah, they somehow made it work pretty good. I yeah. Think. I'm really looking forward to Miss Marvel. We'll see. We'll see if they pull that one off. Hope it's as good as Hawkeye. Because yeah. we've both been loving that shit. Yeah, so. same. All right. I think this was... Uh, I think we had texted about this a couple times in the last week. There had been rumors that Jim Carrey was going to play MODOK. Yes. But now the reports are coming out saying that MODOK will appear in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania but will be played by Corey Stoll. And it it might be his character, Darren Cross, a.k.a. Yellow Jacket from the first Ant-Man, becoming MODOK. I mean, I guess. Dude, this shit's fucking like, wild. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really... Uh, I don't know. Seems weird, but... I mean, what's weird? The gigantic floating head that has little mini legs? It's called Modoc <laughs> yeah, right. or the casting? Yeah, good point. Touche. I never uh, I never thought we'd see Modoc in live action. Modoc was, you know, I used to watch the 1990s like Iron Man show and Fantastic Four. And I just remember Modoc coming on that and I was like, I didn't question it as a kid. Yeah, but yeah. man, he's just the fucking weirdest comic book character there's got to be. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, for some reason I always compare him to that uh, that character in Ninja Turtles where he's like a brain yes. in the stomach. Yes, very similar. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they're both so fucking weird. What is that guy's name? I, is that Krang? I'm not sure. Krang. Hold on, I want to see which one came first. Yeah, you got it right, yeah. Krang. Krang was uh, created in 87. I'm having such weird deja vu. I feel like we've done exactly this on the podcast before. I guarantee you And I you think Modoc was first. Yeah, Modoc yeah. came like 20 years earlier. Yeah, so like, yeah, there's like a... Krang is like a little brain that sits inside <laughs> yeah. of the belly of like a gigantic muscly man. But yeah. Modoc is a fucking weird ass character, but I also at the same time would love to see Paul Rudd just make fun of the craziness yes, that true. is Modoc. So true, very true. I'm all for it if they want to put him in that movie. I love the Ant Man movies. I watched Ant Man and the Wasp the other day. What a treat! Yeah, Paul Rudd is a treasure. Yeah, yeah, he's great. So. And th- and those movies. Both, really, but particularly the second one are uh, yeah. I, I prefer the second one. I think just because you get more of the action and fun. Yeah, super silly. All right. Um, one last interview here with Kevin Feige, and he was talking about whether X Men and Fantastic Four acquisitions sped up the MCU multiverse plans. This is what he was chatting with Collider again. Um, and he said it didn't 
actually influenced the time frame. He said, I think the Ancient One mentions it in Doctor Strange when she's taking Stephen Strange through that mind-warping journey. It was always one of the most powerful storytelling tools in the comics, one you have to wield carefully because it can get overwhelming, but one that now with the 80-year history of the comics, now we have a 20-plus year history of the movies, um, and there are enough characters that we can start playing with them that way. He said there will be news, there will be various events, Obviously, with the pandemic, the way we've announced things has changed and altered, and in some ways that's been good because it's kept the focus on what's next. It's kept the focus on the projects as they come out, and certainly the anticipation for No Way Home, I would say, is as big as anything we've ever felt, which is good timing as the movie's about to come out. So not much information there, but it sounds like we'll be getting more and more news. There will be more and more announcements via events. And so, you know, it's coming our way. We do have a logo and John Watts, who directed all the Spider-Man movies, will direct the first Fantastic Four film. Um, But X-Men, the most we've gotten from the X-Men is that new animated series so far. And it's not even a new animated series. (laughs) Yeah, it's a it's a new rehashing of an old one. Yeah. But that being said, I feel like that's like the best case scenario for an X-Men animated series with the MCU to start. Yeah, true, true. So no complaints from me there. But yeah, really looking forward to seeing how the X-Men kind of entered the fold. Agreed. I feel like we got one's got to be popping up soon. Well, lots of rumors about Professor X in Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, true. Which that movie I am so terrified for. <laughs> you, you don't think it's so be much. Good? There's so much going on. It seems I don't really know how they're going to. I don't know. There was that. I think there was a quote last week that we went through with with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch where he's talking about how busy the movie was because they're doing a bunch of reshoots. And yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I hope I'm wrong because Doctor Strange is and and the whole topic of that movie sounds right down both of our alleys. Yeah. We'll see. All right. To cap it off for me. Keep hearing week after week after week that episode five Hawkeye is basically going to break the internet. And not to jump into our conversation for this week, but I better get some Kingpin this upcoming week. Because, man, am I just like blue-balling it, man. Yeah, yeah, I I was pretty shocked that he did not make an appearance this episode. Yeah, yeah, we just got more, more kind of hints towards it. So I really hope it breaks my internet. (laughs) Um, and I'll leave it at that. Do you have anything for us, Eric? Um, just the fact that, uh, for the, for the star Wars people out there, if you somehow have not seen the trailer, the cinematic trailer for a newly announced game, star Wars eclipse, uh, you got to look that up. It's very, very, very well done as almost every star Wars cinematic trailer is. Uh, like I wish that like this would be how they just made the movies, just like every cinematic trailer for a Star Wars game. Um, but uh, it looks great. It takes place in the High Republic era, and uh, it'll be the first and as of right now the only game that will. Uh, but it's uh, in super early development. It's just a cinematic trailer. People don't even really know what the game's going to be yet. But it's like an amazing two or three minute piece of Star Wars uh, content. Some of the best out there, as are all of the Old Republic cinematic trailers, which, FYI, they just released in four, re released 
in 4K for that game's like 10 year anniversary or something. So go check those out too because they are fucking mind blowing still to this day. But dude, my entire childhood was just Jedi Knight too. Yeah. Yeah. That was my jam. God, Star Wars games are the best. I was so nerdy that I downloaded it uh, like an unofficial map for Jedi Knight 2 where it was Lord of the Rings Helm's Deep. And you could just <laughs> run around as a Jedi fighting in Helm's Deep. I oh, love man, it. I thought that was the coolest shit Yeah, ever. I love it. That's the best. We were, we were just adding mods to that game left and right. Like double lightsaber, even though like it would still just function as a single lightsaber. Just <laughs> be like cutting your body in half. <laughs> Fucking love it. Good shit. All right, let's jump right into it. We are here to discuss Hawkeye, episode four of six. We have not broken the internet yet. This episode is titled Partners, Am I Right? Directed by Bert and Birdie, same people who directed the last episode. Um, All right, we left off. Um, Clint and Kate are in Kate's mother's apartment uh, trying to figure out more about the tracksuit mafia via her mom's computer that is hooked up to a security system for the company she owns. Um, and Clint hears a noise and then gets his own Ronin sword pointed at him by Jack Duquesne. Um, I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit disappointed. We basically opened up to a complete, uh, you know, defusal of the situation that we left off at. Um Basically, it's Clint, Kate, Jack, and Eleanor sitting at a table, kind of talking over why they were in their apartment. Um, and <laughs> there were some funny lines in here. I just the guy that plays Jack Duquesne is literally just a ten out of ten actor. Yes, dude, he's like, thanks by the way <laughs> for saving the world, and it's oh, it's, he calls him Archer at yeah, one point. Yeah, so good. The dude is just so funny, um, like almost unintentionally, but obviously as an actor, it's intentional. Um, and so they're kind of have a conversation there. Hawkeye eyes the little sword, the Ronin sword that's kind of sitting um, off to the side there. Um, and basically, Eleanor kind of asks Kate to stay so that they can talk. But then she she's like, let me walk you out, Hawkeye. Um, and she kind of is like, like, Kate is just a girl. She's not a superhero. And then she, like, name drops Natasha. She's like, she was just, uh, she was really good, too, wasn't she? But that didn't save her. And it was, like, really aggressive. And she's like, you're going to drop this, aren't you? And he's like, no, I'm not. And the whole vibe of the scene was like, okay, Eleanor is a bad guy, clearly. Yeah. 100% the bad guy. And I'm wondering... Um, I guess maybe we'll get to it a little bit, but um, I'm wondering if, as this episode kind of um, showed to us, that apparently, I feel like I'm jumping around, so I don't know how to word the sentence, so I'm just going to say it. Um, Hawkeye calls his wife, asks him to check out the company that they discovered is the shell company for the tracksuit mafia. Mm-hmm. And his wife calls him back, and she's like, she's like a spy. Man. Yeah, for sure. She's like speaking like in like a really roundabout way. And then she starts speaking German. And she basically says that Jack Duquesne is the leader of the tracksuit mafia. And I'm wondering if he actually is just not any bad at all. And it's just all Eleanor somehow. Yes. I don't know. That's exactly. Yeah. I still believe Jack Duquesne is not a bad guy. 
I think that uh, he is being taken advantage of. I think I, I've i got to go back and, and see how they worded it. But she said something like, uh, um, like, yeah, he said he said his boss. I mean, she was speaking in code, but, she, you right. know, she said his boss, whatever, whatever. And maybe uh, Eleanor just uses Jack's name. Like as CEO, so it would look that way in the records. But uh, yeah, she's like, your friend's been busy. He's been learning Russian. Yep, and something, something else, and wearing tracksuits or something. Yeah, or and jogging and and jogging a lot or something like that. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and yeah, and she says that he's laundering money for the big guy. Yeah. Which man? If we don't get some Vincent D'Onofrio next episode, I'm going to be real upset. Yeah. But I think we will. Yeah, I think we will, too. Um, Okay. I'm just thinking on on the cuff here. What if Daredevil shows up next episode? Just a glimpse. I don't I don't think uh, I don't think that would happen. I think with all like the leaks we've heard so far, I think there would have been at least like a peep of that. All right. I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think we're going to get a. Very small glimpse at another major character reveal next episode. I'm not saying it's Daredevil, but besides Kingpin, I think we're going to see someone else that we weren't expecting. Wow. All right. This is my exclusive, vague prediction. I love it. So we'll see. Um, Okay. So, yeah, essentially, Clint gets help from his wife, discovers that Jack Duquesne is CEO of Sloan Limited, which is a shell company that launders money for the tracksuit mafia. Um, and Clint leaves and her, um, Eleanor wants to talk to Kate and, you know, she wants to talk about Jack again. Cause she's like, Jack's a bad guy, but she's like, I don't want to talk about it. And there's kind of like a really sweet scene where like Jack and Eleanor are dancing and like, they genuinely look like they are like really in love with yeah. each other. And it was quite nice. And then they make a joke about how Jack always says kind of like idioms uh incorrectly like just barely incorrectly um and i thought that was really funny um and hawkeye essentially goes back to kate's empty uh aunt's apartment and he grabs like a bunch a, a bunch a bunch of frozen like alcoholic smoothies and just like tapes them all around his body to like <laughs> heal up from all of the stuff that's been happening um did and i want to pause did you mention that he also it he stole back the sword? <laughs> yes, yes, he stole and that sword is the coolest fucking sword yeah. ever. Dude, could you imagine how scary society would be if we could have fully retractable ninja swords? I mean, I'm sure it's probably possible. I don't know how effective it would be, but if there was legitimate fully retractable ninja swords, I know you'd have at least 7. Yeah, true. I bet they're expensive though. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they wouldn't be as smooth as as that one. Yes, true. Um, But I want to pause right here, and I just want to give props to whoever wrote this show, because this is why this show is so much better than the Black Widow movie. Because Black Widow is a person. Hawkeye is a person. Hawkeye is, like, using frozen stuff from a freezer to heal his wounds from a battle that happened like two episodes ago still. And he's not jumping from falling piece of flying 
evil base, the flying piece of evil base, and somehow still surviving. I just, I like how this is so, like, realistic compared to, like, the Black Widow movie was ridiculous when it came to just, like, I couldn't, like, immerse myself in it because it was so, like, fantastical in a sense that I couldn't believe. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I see what you're saying, but I feel like Clint is definitely older than Natasha by a, a... Fairly significant amount, I would you say. Think so? Yeah, for sure. And I guess yeah, she's young. And and I would also say, it seems like even in the times they like briefly scuffled in the Avengers movies, it seems like Natasha clearly outclasses him in like every way, basically, and to the point where she seems to have perfect aim as well. <laughs> Plus, she's also a ninja, like. Which I guess Hawkeye tried to be with the whole Ronin thing, but not in the way that that a Black Widow is. I feel like the I feel like Black Widow training is much more intense than whatever government training uh, Clint went through. The, but I mean, yeah, still, I guess, like, just hopping from thing to thing. I mean, it's it's. Crazy, I was fine but... with Black Widow until like that last act, yeah, where they're like literally free falling through debris. I was like, this is fucking nuts. Like, if it was Captain America, I'd be like, okay, this is fine. But, like, you're just, like, it takes, like, one little piece of something, and it just rips right through your body. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I really like, this feels grounded, and there's not been a single part of this where I've been like, okay, this is impossible. Kind of thing. And it just, I don't I know. I mean, it just feels, the car chase feels real, pretty. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was fun. No, I could, I could see all they have if, like, pin particles existed. I mean, it all makes yeah. sense to me. I don't know. It It just, it felt like superhero but not super ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I really appreciate. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I have enjoyed the first four episodes of this series, like, quadruple the amount I enjoyed Black Widow. So far. Um, okay. Though Black Widow did feature that scene with the James Bond movie in it, so that gets some brownie points. True. Um, but let's jump back into it. I just wanted to say that because the entire time I've been comparing the two in my head for some reason. Since I think oh, interesting. Yeah. Related characters, and I just, I think I would have liked a Black Widow series more, maybe? Yes. I don't know. Yes, 100%. Because I, I think, like, having a series two would lessen, like, the need for, like, this crazy third act type of seen in a movie as well and would give more time to like see characters be characters which i think this like we neither of us loved hawkeye yeah but now we both love hawkeye yeah. you know and so like that's what you want and i didn't get that from black widow which is a little disappointing yeah it, it, well i don't know maybe this was intentional i was just gonna say it's like black widow made me love the character of yelena more than Yes, Natasha. But maybe that was intentional, though. <laughs> since uh, yeah, it was basically like a backseat Yelena movie. Yeah, yeah, backseat pilot or what? What are yep. they called? Backdoor pilot. Yeah, backdoor pilot. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was trying to say. I think. But uh, yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent agree. <laughs> uh, which we'll get to that in a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, and so you know, I guess we kind of get the idea that Clint is going to be like staying alone while, um. Kate is at her parents' apartment, but then she shows up just as he's about to fall asleep in, in this chair, and she, like, brings all this Christmas stuff because uh, they're going to have a Christmas movie marathon. She brought, like, some pizza and, uh, like, a Christmas tree so that they can be in the holiday spirit while they try to track down, 
you know, what's going on with the tracksuit mafia. Um, and so, yeah, you get like this whole montage kind of scene um, where they're they're doing all this Christmas stuff while planning to figure out what their next steps are. Um, and then Clint shows her an interesting trick on how to basically incapacitate someone with a coin. Yeah. Which was very interesting. Um, so that so I started reading the uh, the the fraction comics that is ripped straight from the comics as is they have a conversation about a boomerang arrow yep. which is also ripped straight from the comics but i thought it was interesting they kind of flip-flopped the opinions of it though <laughs> the, the, yes which i thought was kind of interesting yeah the plot point here is that kate says has you ever thought about a boomerang arrow because then they come back to you because they have no more trick arrows left after their last encounter with the tracksuit mafia. Um, so she's like, yeah, they'd come back to you. You just have to you know, kind of duck or something. Yeah. Um, whereas in the comic, obviously Hawkeye says he has boomerang arrows. Yeah. And, and um, Hawkeye's like, Kate's like way more competent in the comics and, uh, and Hawkeye's way more dumb. I would say. Yeah. He's kind of like, uh, like burnt out kind of drunkish type guy. In that yeah. Comic, yeah. I for sure. Um, but yeah, highly recommend that comic. To yeah, it's good. I'm I'm enjoying show. it big time. Um, and so yeah, they they kind of have this whole scene where they're planning things out, um, and and trying to figure out their next steps. Um, Hawkeye basically tells uh, Kate that he he wants her to go find the trick arrows while he goes and tracks down Kazi, who is um, Echo's kind of right hand man to try and have a conversation with him about this whole Ronin hunt that she's been on. Um, I want to mention, I thought this is weird. They're staying at Kate's aunt's apartment. We think that Eleanor, her mother is connected to the tracksuit mafia and Kate's been grabbing clothes from her aunt's apartment and she leaves this scene and she has a shirt on that has Russian text on it. Hmm. Which I thought was it. I thought it was weird, and I was like, I feel like that has to be intentional. Yeah, interesting. I didn't catch that. So, I don't know what her aunt is or what they do. Maybe it's a red herring. I don't know, but I thought it was interesting nonetheless. I Um, was never totally convinced that that was Kate's aunt's apartment. I I just thought maybe it was some random, just someone she knew wasn't going to be around for a while. (laughs) Yeah, very possible. Who knows? Uh, But clearly, they're not around. And I, I thought it was funny. They were drawing out their plans on like a picture frame and he's like are you, Hawkeye's like are you sure those are dry erase and they're not they're just like full on sharpies um and I have to slide in my my little tip if you ever draw a sharpie or a permanent marker on a dry erase board you just draw over it with a dry erase marker and it'll erase right off oh, yeah there we go amazing I can't believe that works. yeah that's nice um so <laughs> basically uh Hawkeye is in Kazi's car as Kazi comes into it and he kind of looks in his rear view mirror and like Hawkeye is right there. So he immediately grabs for a gun, which Hawkeye is like, I got it. I got your gun. <laughs> no big deal. And they kind of have like this, you know, the typical conversation. Hawkeye is just like, you need to tell your boss to stop looking for Ronan. She's chasing a ghost. She's trying too much attention to herself and it's going to get her killed. Um, And Kazi's, you know, he's not really going along with it. He's, you know, he's, kind of like i don't know he's like upset that he's in his car right and he goes to grab for a knife and he's like you looking for your knife 
He's like, are you also looking for your box cutter under your chair? <laughs> like Hawkeye has all this <laughs> stuff. Um, and the conversation basically ends and Kazi's like, can I have my gun back? Hawkeye's like, yeah, yeah, you can have your gun back. And then you just see him like just take, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's the knife or the gun and he just completely chucks it as far as he can. <laughs> it's, yeah, I, that's a great shot too. It was framed very well as you just see him through like the back window of the car. It's fucking great. Yeah. And Kazi's like, oh, shit. Like, Come on. <laughs> I'm assuming it was the knife and he's just going to keep the gun. Um, I don't know. But either way, it's hilarious because Clint just chucks it as far as he can. Yeah, the best. Um, which is great because, it, you know, it's fucking Kazi. That guy looks just like uh, just looks like the guy from Lord, uh, from Game of Thrones. Kit Harrington. Yeah. Knock off yeah. Kit Harrington. He's not bad. though. He's not bad. <laughs> So Kate goes and talks to the group of LARPers that Hawkeye had previously met. Uh, and this ent- I love how Kate just walks around with like a bow and arrow and a quiver. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I guess in New not? York that that can happen, you know? Yeah. Um, And she basically goes and talks to, you know, these firefighters, first responders, police officers. And she's like, I basically like need you to like falsify some records and steal some evidence. And the lady's just like, all right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I loved how easily that happened. Yeah. And so by the time Clint gets back to the apartment, basically all of the LARPers are just in the apartment with them. Uh, the one guy was baking snickerdoodle cookies. Um, <laughs> and Kate was trying on like a Viking outfit and stuff like that. <clears throat> and so basically the deal is that the LARPers are going to, they're going to give the LARPers some like materials and the LARPers are going to make them new costumes and that is kind of the trade so that they can get the trick arrows back and the cop comes returns the trick arrows and uh she wants to keep her bag hawkeye just kind of grabs the bag she's like my wife gave me this bag it has bombshell embroidered on it kate's like we'll get you the bag back no worries don't worry about it you know you're not getting that bag. no way no way also shout out to the mcu lesbian cop Um, there we go I actually missed that the first time I watched it. Oh, um, which was I was actually kind of happy I missed it almost because I I hate when it's really in your face, you know. Yeah, true. Um, or like the quick Star Wars lesbians that are totally inconsequential. Yeah. Um, and so essentially, Clint gets all of his arrows back. Um, and I missed something at the beginning here when Clint was talking to his wife on the phone. Um, they mentioned that watch that was found from the Avengers compound. Yeah. <clears throat> and his wife kind of asked him, she's like, are you sure? Like, you know, there wasn't something else at that black market auction. And Clint's like, I thought that was destroyed. And, and his wife's like, well, we thought the same thing about your suit. So Eric, what do you think this whole watch is? Do you, who's, whose watch is this? So I have, Seen some theories, and I think the one that I agree with the most is it might be her watch. She like I she for sure is some kind of spy or something. And I uh Clint's wife, you mean? Yeah, Clint's wife, Laura. Okay. And uh and I think it might be her watch. And 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 maybe it's just like I don't know, maybe maybe she just doesn't wanna I, I don't know. I don't know why they wouldn't want the watch to be found. Clearly, it's more than just a watch. Um, but yeah, I think it, like, I it think could it's be hers. traced back to them, they said, at some point. Yeah, something. I think it has something to do with her and her past. 
And I, I guess the question too is why would the tracksuits want it? Yeah, that yeah, that's a good question. Because when the tracksuits yeah. broke into that auction, that's what they were looking for. Yeah, you're right. So that's yeah, I'm really curious about this whole watch thing. Yeah. Um and then Clint asks his wife to check the the tracer on it, because apparently they do have some tracer on this watch to see where it's located. Um, so that happens at the beginning of the episode. And I think pretty quickly there, she texts Clint and gives him an address um, of where the watch is currently at in New York City. Mm-hmm. So Clint and Kate are kind of staking out this apartment building. They're across the street. And Clint is kind of outlining his plan for getting in. And he's saying it's always important to prioritize your escape plan rather than your entry plan. I was going to take like three and a half minutes. And then he looks over and then Kate's completely gone. <laughs> uh, which is something that only happens in television and movies because yeah. you can't just walk away from someone without them knowing. Yeah. Um, but I still love the gag nonetheless. Um, and so Kate's like walking across the street in the middle of traffic with a bow and arrow, a purple shirt on and a quiver. Um, to basically walk over to this apartment complex. All the lights are off. There's no one there. She basically <laughs> helps an old man carry some groceries to get into the front to the front door and hop on the elevator. And Clint's like yelling at her over their earpiece that they have on together. And Kate is talking to this old man in the elevator. She's like, she's talking. And he's like, what was that? And he's like, oh, nothing. She's like, but if I'm being honest. I'm actually talking to an Avenger. They're in my ear. And the guy like immediately thinks she's crazy and was like, I'll take my groceries back. Uh, and then leaves her. And that scene was pretty fun. She's so cringe sometimes. Oh yeah. my gosh. So over the top, but I love it. Um, and so Kate goes to the apartment, breaks in, unlocks the door and like all the lights are off. But then within a couple seconds of her opening that door, like these like weird white lights that are in the corner of the room to start like strobing on and off. And so she pretty quickly shoots like those little, I don't know what you call them, like uh, goo arrows. Yeah, goo arrows. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> the, best, the best word for it to try and like suppress the light. Um, but they don't quite know what that is yet. And so Kate is looking around the apartment, finds the watch. But then before she's about to leave, she finds a notepad that basically shows that someone's been investigating Clint's family. It has all of his family members' names and their ages on it. Um, and so she's telling she's telling that to Clint, and he's like, get out of there, get out of there. And then we quickly realize that those lights were a deaf alarm, because obviously you can't hear noises, so you need lights to let you know that someone has broken in. Yeah. Right? Um, and Kate's like, Maya's here. And he's like, yeah, she is. And she's like, how do you know? And he's like, I'm fighting her. And she's like, what? Because Maya's in the apartment. Yeah. Kate is fighting Maya. So someone else is fighting Clint. And so I think this kind of is the climax of the episode. Um, Echo slash Maya Lopez attacks Bishop. She's like beating the shit out of her. Um, Clint very quickly shoots kind of like a an arrow that's a zip line all the way across the street. That, that Kate can climb on that and slide over while he's fighting basically like a black ops looking assassin wearing uh, night vision goggles. Um, Kate can only get halfway over the zip line because it kind of gets stopped, uh, <laughs> which is the most realistic zip line I've ever seen in yes. anything um, because those always work way too well. 
Um, and so at one point, while Clint is fighting this other masked assailant, uh, they grab onto the zip line, which helps her get all the way across. But then eventually Maya comes all the way across as well. So it's basically Maya, Clint, Kate, and this masked assassin. Um, but pretty quickly, the masked assassin uses what Black Widow uses, like those little like Black Widow shocker things that are on their wrists. I yeah. don't know what to call them. And so you're like, okay, this is totally Yelena, right? Um, and this scene had a couple of interesting things in it because at one point, Yelena basically takes Kate and like throws her over the edge of this building. And Hawkeye immediately freaks out and looks down down the building towards the ground. And the music that was played in Avengers Endgame when... Natasha dies falling down the cliff, plays at the same moment. Which was really fucked up. But thankfully, <laughs> Yelena kind of shot her with like a little grapple hook thing. So like Kate is just like hanging in midair. She didn't actually fall down to her death or get hurt. Um, but like you could definitely see how that'd be like PTSD for Hawkeye. Yeah, big time. Uh, he's like this whole episode is basically Hawkeye. Hawkeye and Kate have a really good relationship. He likes her. She likes him. But you can tell he's just very nervous about anything happening to her. Yes. he's He doesn't trust himself. He doesn't trust the situations they're in. And obviously the stuff that was said to him uh, by Kate's mom is obviously affecting him as well. And so it's kind of like this back and forth battle that Hawkeye's having of like, this girl's good. He's acknowledged that she's good, but he just doesn't want anything bad to happen to her. So he tells her to leave, but Kate comes right back upstairs. Um. Bishop, Kate Bishop, um, ends up shooting Maya with, like, an arrow. Yeah. She hits her. Um, and the fight continues. Uh, Yelena's mask gets ripped off. Obviously, Hawkeye doesn't recognize her. At least you can't tell that he recognizes her. Um, and while Clint and Yelena are fighting, Kate actually has, like, the drop on her, and she has an arrow pointed right at her. But she decides not to shoot her. Um, but then after that moment, Yelena escapes, runs away. Maya runs away. And Clint is just like, okay, we're done. Like, this shit just got real because someone's hired a Black Widow assassin to come kill me or whatever. And so this is kind of like what I took as the straw that breaks the camel's back in terms of Clint being like, you can't be involved with this anymore because this has got really fucking real. And a Black Widow assassin is too dangerous. Yeah. Um, I I was a big fan of this scene. Um, am I insane? Or is Florence Pugh's skin like otherworldly smooth? I guess I need to go watch. It I again. feel like, like it was so smooth. I, I I almost thought that was like a uh, fucking what's it called when you put somebody's face on somebody else's face? Oh, like that a face take, swap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's there's like a different, oh deep fake. Yeah, deep fake. Like I almost thought it was like a deep fake or something. It was so smooth, and then I was like, I guess she has super smooth skin in like the Black Widow movie too. But it's but it was like distracting. But anyways. 
Um, Let me look. I'm gonna watch it while while uh, <laughs> it's like it here. like blew, it blew my mind. But anyway, shout out to that skincare uh, routine. But shout uh, out to the skincare. But uh, yeah, great great scene. Uh, it was nice to see Florence Pugh. I hope we see her again in the in the series. Like I hope that wasn't just like a weird one off cameo. Um, but I think we probably so, will see her again. There's there are two scenes of connective tissue here. Um that hold on, I'm, I'm let me watch I'm watching. Uh it doesn't look that smooth to me. Oh man, it's like Hold on, let me look again. Just something about it. I was like, is that like digital? It's like No, that's definitely a hundred percent her. I yeah, no, it, it is a hundred percent her, but I'm just saying this like Maybe it's Maybelline. I guess. <laughs> All right. Okay. So there's two pieces of connective tissue here that, that we need to mention that make this scene a lot better um, than the way I originally described it. One, after Hawkeye leaves Eleanor's apartment, she calls someone. And she basically is like, I need you to, I need them to call me back. This is really urgent. So that person could be Kingpin. That person could be... The La Fontaine, Valentina, yeah, yeah, and so is Yelena arriving to come get Hawkeye a result of Eleanor calling someone, or is it something else? We don't know. So that there's a big question mark there. Another thing is that earlier in the episode, um, Kate finds out by her own deduction that Hawkeye is Ronan. I think it's a great scene. It's a great conversation. I love that she figured it out on her own. Yep. Um, not sure we really delved into that. That was really good. Um, but this conversation also happens at the same time. She says, what was your what was your best shot? And Hawkeye, before really even stopping himself, he said, it's the one I didn't take. And he's talking about when he first met Natasha and realized that he shouldn't shoot her, even though he was supposed to. And he just had a sense that it wasn't the right thing to do and that sh- that he could bring her in and she wanted to leave kind of the path that she was on. And then they became best friends and mirrored in this final fight is Kate deciding not to shoot Yelena in the same way that Clint decided not to shoot. Oh shit. Black I didn't Widow. even put that together. And so they have that kind of mirrored relationship, Clint and Natasha Kate and Yelena. She chose not to shoot her when she easily could have. Wow. I am I am very here for the uh Kate Bishop and Yelena best friend relationship. Yes. That and is going to be That's what I hope great. happens. Yeah. Cuz that would be amazing. And so I really really liked um I really really liked the uh kind of comparison there between the two of them. Um, it, it just works really nice and, and I'm glad they were able to get that in. The parallels are, are really good. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. I'm super glad you pointed that out. I totally, I didn't even make that connection. Yeah. So I would assume we would see her again. Yeah. Hope you so. would hope Otherwise, so. when, when would you see her again? Yeah. <clears throat> um, and then the episode kind of ends there. And so there's, there's a lot going on here. Um, yeah. and I, I must say they're doing a very good job balancing it all so far. Um, yeah. and so we got two episodes left the next episode 
is directed by the same person that directed the last two, uh, being this one and the third one. Um, and it's supposed to break the internet. So I hope that happens. I will say uh, I have a little mini story here. Um, my fiance and I spent the day Wednesday. Um, we were kind of like disconnecting from like our phones and the internet. And so for most of the day, uh, she was painting and I was reading a book. And then the whole plan was to watch Hawkeye, you know, before bed. And we we wrapped up everything. It was like nine, ten o'clock or something. Like I was like, okay, let's watch Hawkeye. I'm like fucking like ready to go. I'm so excited. And our entire internet at our house went down. Oh. And then I was like, what the fuck? Uh. And so I was like, let me go on my phone. I've never had this happen before. The cellular LTE for both of our phones went down as well. Whoa. And so what? I thought we were like under cyber attack or something. Yeah. Because like the LTE coverage over here is amazing. Yeah. You know, like I could, it's comparable to the Wi Fi. Dude, I could not pull an internet connection. All I could do was send texts and it would take forever to send a text. And for like an hour and a half, neither of us could do anything on our phone, Wi-Fi or cellular. It was fucking bizarre. Holy shit. So I didn't get to watch this episode for like another 24 hours. Wow. But um, yeah, that was kind of terrifying. I was like texting people. I was like, do you have internet? And a couple other people did. I don't know if it was just like the tower by us or something, but they both went down at the same exact time man it's fucking weird yeah i had internet and phone service all day wednesday dude it was terrifying i was like what are we supposed to do but also at the same time i was like man we were disconnected all day and in the moment we wanted to (laughs) yeah right hour typical fucking ridiculous (laughs) that's great all right you ready to rate this bitch yes all right as we do on the infinity watch podcast we rate our episodes our movies our whatever the fuck out of Six whole unadulterated infinity stones. Eric, what are you rating episode four of Hawkeye out of six infinity stones? I'm going to give this one a five out of six. I still really, really liked it. Um, We didn't get Kingpin, but we got Yelena, which is a decent uh, consolation. And um, yeah, it's just still super good. I just, I love Clint and Kate's relationship so much um it's super good uh i'm just a big fan just a big fan yeah i'm right there with you buddy it's not the six that elastic was but it was still like the most solid fucking five you yeah could get. yeah um really good i think i probably was hurt a little bit by the no the no kingpin show up yeah. um just because i was just like really fucking hype even though i should have known that it wasn't going to happen this episode um but this episode was great um the character moments were great um the conversation with jack duquesne and eleanor were really good seeing hawkeye's wife kind of like have some ambiguity to whether she's a spy or not like was yeah really good. i mean she's totally a spy um and yeah i mean it was just chock full of moments that were really just top tier and i feel like the script was really top tier and just like the interactions that were given to all the characters really good. This show is is firing on all cylinders, and I'm all here for it. Yeah, um, very impressed. Just you know, when you like Wandavision, very cerebral and kind of sci-fi fantasy. Loki, very cerebral sci-fi fantasy. This is without a doubt the best kind of grounded 
basic superhero show I've ever seen. Yeah, I feel like this is by far the most like approachable to normal people. Um, like non-fans. I mean, anybody yeah. could watch the show and, and enjoy it, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like when, when you're talking about like basic Marvel movies, this is this is just like a normal Marvel movie in series form, and it's an A plus. Yes. You know, it, there's not much that you need to know. It's not super trippy if you're not into stuff like that. It's just really good. It's really, really good. Yeah. Um, and I've been really enjoying it. And I think that's why we've been what five, five, six, five. Um, and so, you know, this one was close to a six for me, too. Yeah, just, same. You know, I yeah, I, I did really like it, but but yeah, it didn't have that little extra, little extra something that I feel like needs to be reserved for sixes. Or sixes need to be reserved for south. that. Yeah. All righty, solid five. I, I, this is the first time we've been same score every single episode. Um, loving it. Uh, we'll see if we can yeah. keep that going. I, very possible. Yeah, I mean, true. it's good when we both love it. So, All right, let's jump over to recommendations. Eric, what do we got this week? All right, so I um, generally don't recommend things until I complete them. However, I'm going to break that rule because this has been so fucking good i have been watching dexter new blood oh shit it's good it's truly amazing it is uh i'm so glad they brought this show back it's definitely uh feels like classic dexter you know back when it was uh when most people agree it was like at its best um definitely feels like that which makes sense because it's the guy who did those first four seasons who was doing this one um they're just doing such a great job of like just that classic Dexter tension. Um, and then the new characters they brought in all are, are great. They really make sense. Um, a couple cameos from old characters, which also thankfully makes sense. They don't feel shoehorned in at all. Um, but the most interesting thing though, I think is, uh, Dexter's son is obviously a lot older now. He's like a, he's like a teenager and I guess mild spoiler but this is like the impetus for the whole show is the Harrison, which is Dexter's son, mm-hmm. basically comes to find him and he doesn't know, I mean as far as we know at this point, like he doesn't know anything about Dexter's uh serial killer tendencies, but Dexter is worried like oh like I'm I'm a sociopath. This kid also saw his mother murdered like I did. Is he a psycho like me? And so he's trying there he's trying to like suss it out basically and there are some things that I won't spoil that uh really lean into that uh, dilemma and it's super fucking good. And you see uh obviously Dexter uh he had been He's living in this very small town, like this like small wintry town. I think in like upstate New York, technically, but it's like a really small town. And um he has not given in to his urges for like many years. And then you see uh like his first kill in like many years. And it's Damn. and it's just fucking great. Like it's just great to see 
Dexter kill somebody, which is so fucking weird to say. But it's uh, dude, that show was so good. It's though, the original. yeah, it was, it was so good, and this one just feels like it at its best for sure. Huh. Um, but yeah, Dexter New Blood. It's technically on Showtime. Look, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying I don't have Showtime, and I've been watching it. So, wow, get, how'd you do that? <laughs> just get creative with Google. I'm sure you can figure it out. Uh, Damn. Yeah, I've I been might have to watch it. I, it's loving it. Me and I were big fans of the original, but we haven't watched that new one yet. But I think we might have to tune in. Yeah, it's super good. I think the season is just a little over half over. Um, I know uh, Chris has been watching it as well, and he's been loving it as well. We've been talking about it. Dang. I'm nervous for how it'll end, though, just like the original series. Yeah, right, right. I have, yeah, I have some... a lumberjack somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, I have some suspicions, but we will we will see. Interesting. Yeah. All right, what is it? Dexter New Blood? New Blood, yeah. New Blood. All right. Very good. All right. Um, I kind of got, like, two halvesy recommendations this week. Um, piggybacking off last week, guess who was a guest on Hot Ones this week? Tom Holland, hey! a.k.a. Spider-Man. Um, I, I'll give one minor spoiler from the episode. He almost accidentally eats the hottest wing first, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is fucking hilarious. That's um, so good. But I highly recommend go on YouTube. It's all free. Check out Hot Ones. Tom Holland is the guest this week. I also started, uh, I bought a couple trade paperbacks this week because I discovered something a little bit different. They are called Mighty... Marvel Masterworks. Oh. And they are very cheap um, copies of, uh, like, really old comics. Um, But they're not in the same size format, excuse me, as, like, original comics are. They're a little bit smaller. They're almost like like a digest size, like a little bit larger than a manga book or something. Interesting. And so... Are they black and white or color? They are in color. Okay. And so... I picked up um, the first volume of Avengers, Fantastic Four, and Amazing Spider-Man. Which so it's like the very first ones that were written by Stan Lee, and I just want to—I've just been reading through them. You know, just you catch little things that they might take inspiration from in the movies and stuff. Yeah, like that. yeah. So if you're interested in like the OG comics by Stan Lee, you can get these books for like ten to fifteen dollars each. Um, they have multiple volumes of Spider-Man, Avengers, Thor, Fantastic Four, Doctor Strange. X-Men, um, all these different characters. So if you're interested, Daredevil, um, in any of those, you can check them out on Amazon. Um, they're called Mighty Marvel Masterworks. Um, cool little books. So highly recommend those if you want to dip your toes into some really old comic books. Love it. All right. That'll be a wrap. Episode 40. If you want to reach out to us online, you can hit us up on Twitter at Infinity Rewatch, or you can shoot us an email at the Infinity Watch Podcast at gmail.com. Make sure to include the subject line, fuck the billionaires. Oh, yeah, baby. Fuck the billionaires.